we start today, we go all the way back to Friday, and, well, who would have thought, Abdul, that, look, if you are Mike Pence, your whole life has led up to wanting to run for president. I mean, whether you like Mike Pence, you don't like Mike Pence, it's pretty safe to say, and I don't think it makes you a, a, a hater, to say Mike Pence has always wanted to be president of the United States. Let's put it this way. Every morning when Mike looks in the mirror for the past 20-something odd years, he saw himself as president of the United States. Absolutely. And there was a time in a different world, in a different Republican Party, where I think a lot of people saw Mike Pence as a guy who could someday be a presidential nominee. Yes. Uh, nominee, yes. President, uh, sort of kind of maybe not sure uh mike was always good on the on the sort of the retail handshaking politics on, on the big flowery speeches policy uh, give or take is it also safe to say though and we're gonna get to this audio with tucker carlson because whether you like mike pence or you don't that's it it's over the bell has tolled and we'll play the audio here in just a second but is it safe to say that mike pence has not adapted into an ever-changing Republican Party. And this is weird to say because he was the vice president under the guy, but especially in the world of Trump, Mike Pence lives in a different world of what the base of the Republican Party was. I would say, and I'm going to use this analogy a couple of times uh, on the program today. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, I think it was called Man on a Wire, where the guy's walking between the World Trade Towers <laughs> with the big balancing beam on the, on the tightrope. Yeah, sure. And to me... Uh, like somebody used this reference a couple times today, folks, so just kind of keep that in mind. For Mike Pence, the first trade, the, the one trade tower is so the way Republican politics used to be. The second trade tower is how Republican politics is now. Yeah. And so it's a very fine line, a very balancing line. And I don't think Mike has completely read the the, the, the Republican primary electorate. Yeah. And that's the, that's the primary electorate, uh, particularly in this sort of hyper-partisan atmosphere we live in today and a big part of that is there was a time where look i don't even want to use the term robust national defense because a lot of the things the republicans did under bush were stupid i mean the war in iraq was stupid the way they went about afghanistan was stupid and to me and you can correct me if i'm wrong that's different than a robust national defense stupid foreign policy decisions and stupid foreign military engagement is different than robust mil, uh, robust military defense for me as an as an, as an army brat uh it's one thing to have like sort of one quote-unquote enemy enemy that you know the russians they have sure. sort of your proxy fights you know here and there it's another thing to become literally not only the world police police force but also the police dispatcher and also uh, the police academy for that matter so <laughs> You know, whether fighting wars in, 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 in Afghanistan or Iraq, like, okay, so what's the, Camille is, okay, once we get into this thing, what is going to be the exit strategy? Yeah, and, and his, the world that he became a star in, the early 2000s Republican Party, your patriotism, your standing in the Republican Party, your ability to be seen as a viable candidate or a viable future leader was centered around your ability, your willingness to engage, not smartly engage, because remember, I mean, anybody who objected to the Iraq war basically got the early version of canceled. Remember whether it was the Dixie Chicks? Now, they're horrific, awful people. But the reality is of the million stupid things that they've said, the idea that maybe the Iraq war wasn't the best thing to be involved in was number 10 million on the list. Yet the Republican Party and 
maybe even more than the Republican Party, the country in general, if you didn't agree with using force and foreign intervention, then you were just some big coward. And, so, and the thing is, and I, and I understand uh, the motivation behind it. I mean, we're still, you know, 9-11 was still sort of fresh in everybody's mind. People are mad, ticked off, upset, and then they wanted something done. But as I tell the lovely Mrs. Shabazz, you cannot make decisions when you're mad. Because when you make decisions when you're mad and upset, it's going to be a, probably a bad decision in the long run. It may make you feel good right now, but in the end, it's going to be a bad idea. And, and the reason I bring all this up, because obviously we're going to play this audio here in just a second, Mike Pence has never moved off the idea that robust intervention in, mil in military conflicts is still the way that the Republican Party operates. And in the case of Ukraine, it is absolutely not the way the base of the party is operating. Now, are there many Republicans who still favor intervention in Ukraine in terms of I guess an unlimited checkbook. Yes, absolutely. Mitch McConnell, Todd Young, those people, that wing of the party. Well, that's what that's what we kind of did in the in sort of I want that's what we, we sort of did things in what I call quote unquote Afghanistan one. Yeah. Which was fun the rebels from the Charlie Wilson's war, by the way, because it's an awesome movie that everybody should go go. But it never go works. Red. Go red. It no, never works. No, no, because in Afghanistan one, I would say it, it worked in the first part, which was drive out the Russians. But number two, like I said once again though, what are we gonna do? Well, this Thank is you. over. And so it leads us to... Apart from, you know, sell, well, buy oil from the Saudi Arabians so the Saudi Arabians can fund bin Laden so bin Laden can blow up our towers. This is my point. It's all, it always ends up blowing up in our face because we get in bed with people who don't have a history of liking us. It's not Britain. It's not France. It's not... It's my sister's dating life. There, yeah, thank you. It's called, yes. called mix up with the guys who are the worst buttholes in the world. And then they break her heart and get mad and do mistreat her. Then me and my brothers, we got to go Article 5 NATO and go kick the guy's ass. And there are a huge group of people. I'm one of them. And I think it makes up the majority of the base, certainly of Republican primary voters, who look at all the money we've thrown at Ukraine and they say, look, I want to see an ROI. I want to see where this money's going. What I do know it went to was to the FTX guy who... I'm not going to use the term money launder, but took a bunch of the tax money that we sent over, and then they gave it to him, and that money ended up in the pockets of Democrat politicians. I think that there are, there are so many people who look at what's going on in Ukraine, and you say, look, I want to know where the money's going. I want to know what I'm getting for my printed money investment. I want to know when we are successful and when we are out of here. And Mike Pence is not from that school of people who believe that the American people apparently deserve a return on investment. Like I said, uh, someone in the, in the in Camp Pence uh, has done a major misreading or misinterpretation of the of the of the Republican primary election, not the, not the general election. The general election vote is a totally different creature, but I think someone has misread the Republican primary electorate. Okay, so here it is: twenty three years, Mike Pence since being elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Here it is, all going up in smoke with Tucker Carlson in one minute. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. 
You are, distra- you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet, your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. That was the for a guy. I would have I would have not used the term. It's not my concern for a guy. And you know this because you've covered him for years and years and years for a guy whose whole life, even to a point of disgustingly obnoxious, has been unwavering messaging. Like if you need a message delivered, Mike Pence has always been the guy because he will not get off the message for that guy to make that mistake in that room. Unbelievable. For him to say it's not my concern was a was a, I don't think his campaign's over over because in politics today's lifetime anything can happen between now and uh, the primary so that's so that's kind of want to make establish that number one, but number two though, I would said I would just said look Tucker, you know we can't walk and chew gum at the same time you know we can you know help our friends and allies you know fight aggression but we also take care of our issues here we just need the right type of leadership right type of motivator that's how you answer that you don't you don't say it's not my concern because it's all people are going to pull out of that what that that 50 second you know 50 second clip yeah uh tucker <laughs> afterwards he was at i believe this was turning point usa there was a big event down there in palm beach uh he took a little bit of a victory lap over uh bringing about what many people believe is the end of the pence campaign no 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 but if i could make some general observations which i think are more edifying than just like savaging mike pence um i i think (laughs) which i'm not gonna do because that would be wrong and it would be wrong because it's too easy and the easy things are not rewarding are they you don't feel good when you beat your five-year-old in soccer or ping pong like what that's a nice backhanded compliment. Well, <laughs> look, here's my only disappointment. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to this newly nice establishment you've got here. I look. Here's my only thing that I'm a little upset about, Abdul. Um, you know, I have many stories from my time in and around Pence and the Pence administration, and I was banking on having until at least January to be able to tell all the stories. I mean, we haven't even gotten scratched the surface on him appointing the three state auditors in less than six months. And boy, I was going to crescendo all the way up to that one at the end. And now I'm very worried that he may not even make it to the debate stage. He may not even make it to January. He may not even make it to November. And I might not even be able to tell my all my stories and people are going to want to hear them. <laughs> well, you can still write a memoir. <laughs> that ship has sailed. 